Hi, I'm Ashley Cooley, a birth baby and sleep specialist and mom of three. There's so much information out there, right? This show is dedicated to helping you clear out the noise so you can figure out what will work best for your baby and your family. If you're looking to learn more about your baby, gain more confidence in your parenting, and get as much sleep as you can through it all, you've come to the right place. Bringing up baby is about to get a little easier. Everybody, welcome to the Bring Up Baby podcast. This is Ashley Cooley, and today we're talking about when your baby's going to be going to daycare. This big transition that happens typically for those of us, often moms, often women who are on maternity leave for hopefully, luckily, approximately a year to 18 months. I had the one year mat leave for two of my kids, and I had about a two week break for the other one, <laughs> but a very different situation. Anyway, all this to say is, you know, we spent this big chunk of time in our lives. We had this baby or babies, we were taking care of them, helping them grow and learn and flourish. And we've been securing this lovely bond, secure attachment going on. And now it's time to go back to work or we have to go and do something or we want to go and do something. And therefore our baby or babies are going to be with someone else doing something else. Oftentimes it could be a daycare, a day home, staying with family, you know, this is a big transition. And there's two other transitions that are going on at the same time. Particularly if you're breastfeeding, there's going to be a transition there, whether you decide to wean your baby or continued breastfeeding. And there's also potentially going to be a transition in sleep. And and that's due to a lot of factors as well. So those are the two big things that we're going to dive into basically when it comes down to this daycare transition. So some considerations here. One of them is where they're going to be. So is this a licensed daycare center or day home? Is this going to be with your parents or in-laws? So it matters where they're going to be and who they're going to be with and how well you know that person. So that's kind of the other thing, not just you, but baby. So who are they going to be with? Is it family? Is it someone new? And when will they be going? And which we kind of mentioned that, you know, that age range, basically, because that also matters when it comes to their readiness for certain transitions. So the where, the who, the when, these things matter because, for instance, I certainly hear of a lot of day homes that only provide one opportunity for a nap per day, even though they are taking in babies as young as potentially about a year of age, and which we know, and probably a lot of you know now from our earlier episodes, that typically by a year of age, most babies are still really needing two naps a day. So that is a transition that's going to need to happen. Many daycare centers will follow sort of whatever nap schedule the family, the baby is on. Typically, that could be one to two naps from that time of their year of age to 18 months. And usually that one nap a day, 18 months and over. So anyway, all this to say that it matters who they're going to be with. Is it someone familiar that has been putting them down for naps before, has been feeding them bottles of breast milk or or what have you? So those kinds of things will certainly make a difference when it comes to these topics that we're talking about. So of course, we're going to talk generally here, but a lot of these things will apply to a lot of people. Let's start with the breastfeeding transition. We are primarily talking about breastfeeding here because typically if you've been feeding your baby formula, generally speaking, it's cow's milk based formula, but either way, whatever formula your baby is getting and you can transition them to that type of milk as they 
reach around a year of age or thereabouts. But when it comes to breastfeeding, a lot of times women, mums, people who are breastfeeding or chest feeding think that they have to wean when going back to work because how could they possibly go from nursing their baby five or six times a day to not at all or very little because they're going to be back at work the next day or the next week or whenever that time comes. And the biggest thing you need to know, and it's no joke, your body and your baby will adjust. It's pretty remarkable. And it's also pretty remarkable how much they change from the time or how old they are when you start thinking about this time of going back to work and what's going to happen and what it's all going to be like. A lot of us moms were thinking about that maybe around four, five, six months of age, seven, eight, nine months, basically months, weeks before the transition actually happens. Of course, you're planning, you're thinking about that. But you know, it's your baby is going to change so much in that time frame that it's probably even hard to imagine this. But all this to say, they will adjust. And when you are gone and you are at work or you're doing your thing, they're going to be doing their thing. And when you are home, when they wake up in the morning, when you get home at the end of the day, before they go to sleep, you can still feed on demand in those instances or feed on cue or have that time to bond. In fact, that's the kind of thing that can help them through these other transitions that inevitably do have to happen. For instance, you're going back to work, they're going to daycare, just as an example. This kind of thing has to happen. So anytime there's a transition, we talk about how many sames can you bring to the table to have that consistency move through that other transition. So we're transitioning from being with mom or being home with parents or family generally all the time to now mom's at work and baby's going to daycare. So how many other things can stay the same if you're also going to be weaning breastfeeding? Hey, listen, your choice, totally do whatever you need to do, but maybe try planning for that to happen after, sometime a bit after that transition or maybe a bit before that transition because doing a lot all at once could be a lot all at once for everybody, you included. So continuing to breastfeed whenever you are around your baby, even if you were on come Sunday night, the night before going back to work, you were breastfeeding your baby, like I said, maybe six times a day on average. Monday, it could drop to two or three, and that would be fine. It would be fine. Here's an example. I'm just one person. I am just one person who breastfed her babies. But this one example, I breastfed my middle child the longest. She naturally weaned at about two and a half or so when she was two and a half years old. So when I went back to work, I had a full-time job Monday to Friday. She was about a year of age. I'm going back to work. She's going to daycare full-time. And she was my child that was breastfeeding nonstop right up until the day I go back to work. So I knew I wanted to continue breastfeeding as long as she comfortably wanted. And I was enjoying it as well. So we we're going to continue doing so. And I, I was, of course, concerned, worried. I wanted to make sure that she was still getting everything she needed. And of course she was, absolutely. But it also was a bit 
for myself. So what I did was I would I would pump and it is your right, you know, here in Nova Scotia, we are protected by our, our human rights legislation to breastfeed anytime, anywhere. If you're at a job, at a workspace, you are allowed time to breastfeed your baby or to pump in a safe and comfortable area. So those are your rights. So what I did was I decided to pump. So I would provide a bottle of breast milk to the daycare, which they happily took and offered to my baby. I told them just once a day, like at at lunch or after lunch, I think before her nap. They did that for a little while. And I quickly noticed the first week back at work, how much was pumping. Let's, I can't remember exactly how much it was right now, guys, but let's just say it was two ounces. It's certainly not as much never was as much as what I would have pumped when she was like two months old. That's for sure. It definitely changes, but there's still so much good in there. We know it's concentrated. Anyway, we could get on a whole thing about breast milk. That's another time. So I would pump. I would I would notice during that first week that that two ounces was going to one and a half. And by week two, week three, it was an ounce, a half an ounce that I was getting. So my supply sort of during the day was dwindling, but I knew, and there was still plenty of breast milk there for her for when she wanted it during the day. And that allowed me to gradually transition back to work. I'm providing my baby with that nourishment. But when I'm at work, I'm able to go and have my day too. So that's just our story. It wasn't really necessary. She didn't really require it. She didn't miss it that day, that first day that she didn't get a bottle at daycare because there's different stuff going on there. You guys, that's the thing. They're with different people. They're learning new things. They're learning so much. There's so much going on new for them. So things don't have to be the same, but yet, you know, they're still going to get exactly what they need. So pumping may or may not be necessary, I guess is what I'm saying here is is it wasn't really necessary. I chose to do it. It worked out for a little bit. Then I didn't have to worry about it after that. And that was kind of nice too, because it was starting to get a little bit annoying in my day to have to go and do that. So we just did it at home and she continued to breastfeed for another year and a half after that. So it's totally possible to continue that and it be an easy part of the lifestyle and just when it happens and it's that consistency or that same that helps them through that daycare transition. By the way, just a little side note that continued breastfeeding has so many other benefits as well. It really is that chance to still connect and bond with them when you get home at the end of the day. I remember used to just like collapse on the floor (laughs) with my baby my first after picking her up from daycare and just, oh, thank goodness we made it through that day and be able to breastfeed. It was, it was lovely. So it can be that time to still do that and, and still such a boost of nutrients and antibodies that are happening even in those smaller amounts. So if that's something you're into and you want to continue breastfeeding, you can do it. Not only can you do it, but it's, it's recommended, it's welcomed. But if you're not and you're ready to wean and you're ready to move on, that is absolutely your decision. Absolutely. And I would think about doing it and getting ready to do it maybe just before going back to work or thinking about transitioning maybe a couple weeks after, just not rate that same day because, you know, that may be a lot for both of you. All right, let's dive into the, the other transition that's going on or that could be going on, which is around sleep. So the things that could happen here, again, if we're thinking of baby going to daycare, going somewhere new around a year of age, their naps may shorten, they might be skipped. 
they might transition out of a nap in that process. I've heard it all. I've seen it all. I've, I've experienced some of it myself with my own. You know, it happens. This It's kind of hard to predict sometimes, not always, but sometimes, you know, we don't really know how the sleep is going to go or really how much of anything is going to go. They will have a good time. They are going to learn. They will eventually perhaps love going there. No, they do. They really do. But when it comes to the sleep, it, it's harder to shut down because again, like I was saying earlier, there's so much going on at daycare and it's so new. They're trying to take it all in. So shutting down for a nap is not on their radar or not as much as it probably used to be. So first of all, uh, well, actually, again, because of the naps being shortened or skipped, the night sleep may be impacted. So, you know, this is what where things can all kind of crumble, right? So the first thing is understand that this is super, super common and you can't predict it and you can't, much like you can, as we said before, even when you're at home putting them down for a nap, you can lead them, lead the horse to water, but you can't make a drink. You can only do so much. And this is where, you know, we're hoping that somebody else is going to be able to take care of this and get them down for the nap, but even not to their fault, not to anyone's fault. Like I said, sometimes it just happens. So we need to understand that naps may be shortened. They might get skipped. That morning nap might get skipped or the afternoon, whichever one, if it happens, or they're shorter, or maybe just because, again, they've been there all day and it's very new and they're really putting out a lot of energy, you're probably going to want to aim for an earlier bedtime. And don't be shy to go as early as 6, 6.30, if you can. That's the other thing, right? If we're working late or now we got to get home and get dinner and you want to have time together. So I know those earlier bedtimes can be really tough, especially on the weekdays or when we're working. So do what you can. Understand that this is going to be temporary. Yes, they could be exhausted when they get home and it's really hard to keep it together. We've all been there, right? (laughs) But really, it, it will, they, this too shall pass, and we can only do what we can do, which is basically, number one, be patient. Number two, bring some comfort items. So bring those sames. Do they have a soother? Do they sleep with a lovey or a little, you know, nice little muslin blanket or something that they can cozy up with, their sleep sack? Whatever those sames are will be fantastic. The other things that we don't necessarily have much control over, like, what sound they're using on their white noise machine in the room or how many other babies are also going to be sleeping at the time. All of those things they have to think about at daycare centers and day homes. Typically they're thinking about, you know, the group, not just the one, even though they're there to help however they can, of course. So whatever you can bring to the table, like the soother, the little blankets or toys or sleep sack or things, you know, that they can safely use after a year of age, of course, bring those and then know that different things can happen with different people. You're going to be surprised at the different foods that they'll eat at daycare and they won't even touch them when you make them at home. (laughs) At least that happens over here. I don't think I'm alone in that just to say that they can do different things with different people so they can find a way the staff or the person that's looking after your little one can find their own way of helping them to sleep so it it can still work out even if it's tough in the beginning the last thing would be like i was saying earlier just to wrap it all up is to aim for that earlier bedtime of course you don't necessarily have to do that if they do get those longer naps or if that afternoon one was 
better than the first one, that's, that's fine. But if they're skipping a nap, if it's really short, if it's really early, they're waking up by 1.30 and then they're going the rest of the day, to go past 6 or 6.30 would just be so much for a baby of that age, you know, year, 18 months. So trying to get as early as a bedtime as you can will help to compensate for that. If they go down to one nap a day at the day home or daycare, even though they're really, that they're still quite young, they're really not ready, you know that if they were home they would still be having two naps, you don't have to transition them to one nap to get used to that. I would even say to allow for the two naps when they are home, so on the weekends or any time that they're at home, still offer the two naps and that can help them through the the adjustment. No, it's probably not going to be perfect, but very rarely do we see a baby who can just nap, 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 and then not and be okay with it, right? So being able to catch up with it is going to be helpful. All right. So thanks for joining for this conversation around returning to daycare when it comes to breastfeeding and continuing that if you choose to during that transition and how the sleep can change but what to kind of do about it so we only have so much control once again you can only do what you can do being engaging and talking with the the daycare staff or day home staff of you know how sleep is going and looking into that and being a little bit prepared and knowledgeable before they go would be helpful if you have some specific questions around this and you want to continue the conversation and continue to learn more about baby and all of these lovely milestones and things that they're doing, we would love to see you in the Bringing Up Baby Community Membership. And you can currently join us. We will link to that in the show notes. We do Q&A sessions every Thursday. We record them. If you can't show up, we have a private Facebook group so we can continue the conversations there. And that's what we like to do. So feel free to join us and we hope you do. Looking for more? Check out birthbabysleep.ca where you'll find prenatal classes, postpartum and new baby resources, and sleep support during the childhood years. You'll also find me on Facebook and Instagram at birthbabysleep. It would be awesome if you followed us wherever you listen to podcasts, and if you can, leave a review or a rating, which goes a long way for helping others to find us. That's all for now. I'm Ashley Cooley, and we'll see you back here next time.